The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. And it's wrap-up weekend at Saratoga, and it's get em up and go at Kentucky Downs. So we're bringing in two principals that cover those beats at the spa. He did the preview for Saratoga, has done a stellar job producing the Saratoga special throughout the meet. The one, the only, Tom Law is going to give us the highlights, and then, man, as always, closing weekend. Don't forget, it's Labor Day weekend, so try not to do much labor over those three days. And uh, sit back, relax. A lot of handicapping. Uh, we're going to concentrate on Saturday at both tracks. Uh, but at Saratoga, uh, we uh, we hope the weather's good because we've got some nice grass races. Uh, the $300,000 Saranac. That's a mile and an eighth. That's on the grass. And then the uh, grade two quarter million dollar Glens Falls. And then we're going to find out the girls that are starting to stretch out to seven furlongs. Two-year-old fillies going in the spinaway. And the big one on Saturday, the grade one, $750,000 Woodward Stakes. Pretty interesting race. No huge stand out there. Could be some value. We'll be asking Tom about that. And then at Kentucky Downs, as you know, this is your place to make money, folks. The pools are going to be huge. Happen. You got to you got to get some friends together and spread them along because you've got uh, you know horses that are going around this unique European style uh, paperclip track uh, for the first time. And uh, the the top race of Saturday is the seven hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar tourist mile horse. I love in there, Mister Misunderstood. We'll see what Gary thinks. And uh, then you got two year olds going on the grass. Now that's going to be kind of interesting. The Phillies. It's the Exacta Systems. Juvenile Phillies, 400000 up for grabs. And the boys' division, 400000 too. That's just called the Kentucky Downs Juvenile. Boy, take a dart and throw it at those because anything can happen. We'll always keep an eye out for Wesley Ward. Well, I want to thank our friends at Woodbine Entertainment for bringing us to you and helping uh, give you support. Always great racing and good value at the races at Woodbine. So keep an eye out for them. and They keep an eye out for us. We greatly appreciate it. And with all the amazing steaks that will be smoking uh, this weekend, you're going to want to pull down your easy wind forms for all three days. We've been doing pretty well at, uh, at all around the town, as they say, uh, up at Thistledown, a track I frequent now and then. Uh, it was uh, just two days ago. Hit a $1 pick three for 1391 uh, then uh, going down, yeah, the fairgrounds is running a meet down there right now, not their big one, and uh, hit a $1 super for 1265 and at Charlestown, a $1 super for over $1,500. Uh, having a good week. Those are easy win forms. It's easy to get them. You just go to winningponies.com, and uh, we will hopefully help you put some greens in your jeans. All right, that's the lineup. Now, big week in racing as far as 
tribute to a great, great man who's left us too early. His name is John Asher. If you've ever watched or read about the Kentucky Derby, you've heard John or gotten information from him. Uh, He passed away at the age of 62 on vacation with his family. Uh, John was a friend of mine, but he he was a friend to everybody in the world of racing. Anybody that ever went through the gates at Churchill Downs, particularly on the backstretch, knew John. Uh, He was just an irreplaceable ambassador uh, g- going back, I believe he joined the team in 1992, and uh, John was just amazing. Uh, you know, he's—I uh, think his title was Vice President of Racing Communications. He got that since 1999. Uh, he was uh, born back in '55. One thing he always wore very proudly was uh, the fact that he was an old hilltopper, an alumni of Western Kentucky University. Uh, then, then he kicked it off in the radio down in the Louisville area at WHAS and WAVE. Uh, he earned over that time five Eclipse Awards for outstanding national racing coverage of thoroughbred racing. This guy was so dedicated, and man, did he have a great set of pipes. Uh, he's won numerous other awards. I, I won't read them all. You can go online and read about them, and you should. Ron Mitchell, the Blood Horse, wrote a beautiful uh obituary but uh it's just amazing this guy must have a huge mantle uh with all the awards but the the main thing is it was getting a chance to know him personally and if he were part of the media the way he treated everybody and took care of any even minor problem that you had getting the information in front of you but he was so easy going and you could just see when he walked down the backstretch or met people in the winter circle uh, how personal it was and how many people knew him. Now, uh, there are going to be a lot of opportunities to uh, uh, get to visitation should you be in the Louisville area. I know we've got a lot of listeners from there. It'll take place at Churchill Downs in the Triple Crown Room in the Jockey Club Suites. Now, this is going to be Tuesday from 11 in the morning to 8 p.m. That's how many friends this guy had. I'm sure they're going to be coming from all over. Truly, he will be missed. John Asher, a legend. So go online, read about him. He was something else. Well, a few people that we've had on this show over the years are being recognized by the National Turf Writers. They announced their annual award winners. Uh, Mike Smith is getting uh, one of the top uh, jocks he's honored with, with along with uh, Donna Barton Brothers. Uh, and, uh, of course, we don't have to tell you about Mike Smith, the all-time leading rider in the Breeders' Cup and is so good to the media. Donna Barton Brothers, you see her attractive smile, horseback, interviewing the key persons that uh, take down the biggest races across the country. Of course, she was a, a jockey herself, as was her mother, Patty Barton. She was as tough as a nickel steak. But uh, she r- really done well, and she's moved up in different jobs in the industry. Uh, hats off to uh, Donna Barton Brothers. And then uh, Jim Gluckson, who is always on the scene around big races time, longtime publicist for the media for the uh, Breeders' Cup Limited, is going to get the Joe Palmer Award for Notorious Service to Racing. And my man, Marty McGee is taking home the Walter Haight Award for Career Excellence in Turf Writing. Marty has been there for over three decades, 
everybody knows him, but I'll tell you what, he has a fine uh, sense of journalistic skill, and it comes through. Of course, uh, he won the uh, Eclipse Award for a great story he wrote uh, a few years ago about the DeSormo brothers, just before Keith DeSormo really became a prominent player. Very personal, beautiful story. You can go online and pull it down. Congratulations to my good friend, Marty McGee. All right, Aaron Greider, the writer. Uh, We'll get Jockey of the Week. He had a five-win day at Hastings, uh, so he's going to take down the top spot as Jockey of the Week. And, uh, you know, this guy's uh, been there and done that. Uh, He had seven wins from ten mounts last week. Not too bad. and you might want to think, remember back to some of the other horses he's ridden. I remember Well Armed, winner of the Dubai World Cup in 2009. And uh, the horse by the name of Calidoscopio. He was an ultimate closer, Silky Sullivan. Argentina that won the Breeders' Cup Marathon in 2012 and the Brooklyn Handicap the following year. Well, of course, I know where you were if you're listening to this show about, uh, oh, 6.45 on Saturday. And uh, that was uh, keeping an eye on the Traveler Stakes. And it uh, turned out to be a very, very interesting race. I'll get to the results here in a minute. But the favorite was Good Magic. And Good Magic did not have his mojo working for him in there. Went off at 7-5 to five and ended up in ninth place. A lot of hats head scratchers and as it turns out when he got back and they put him through tests chad brown wanted to see what was going on and it looked like he had a high white blood cell count uh after uh finishing there um so anyhow he will be uh looked at and uh we will uh uh hope that everything goes well we're not sure what uh um how long it's going to take. I believe he's going to be down at Stone Street. I don't know if they're going to be open to uh, t- to visitation at that time. Um, I hope we got things straightened out here. I'm hearing from my producer. We don't have a great connection. So let me get through last week's uh, results. I've only got three minutes, and hopefully we can straighten it out during the commercial if you are having a, have a bad time hearing me. Uh, well, I just hit on it. It was the Traverse Stakes. It was a pretty much a two-horse race until they hit the turn. It was Mendelssohn and Catholic Boy all the way around. Of course, Catholic Boy had to break from that outside post, and uh, uh, that was Matt Bernier's top pick. He got the job done. And, uh, of course, uh, Javier Castellano winning his sixth Travers, the well-traveled Mendelssohn, did hold on for the second spot. And the third spot was Bravazo, who always seems to be picking up a check. Then the uh, H. Allen Jerkins, that was presented by Run Happy. He was all over sponsorship at the track. The winner was the favorite. Promises fulfilled. Dan Illman said this was definitely the horse to beat. And in this case, it was. And uh, really put in a sharp effort. The half was in 44 and three in the second spot was seven trumpets at 32 to one. Uh, then we go on to race number seven. It was the personal ensign, Mike Smith, Abel Tasman. No big surprise there. Dan Hillman told us, I don't think they're going to beat this horse. Always looking for 
an upsetter. Uh, you know, I know Matt uh, kind of was thinking Elate would do it. Well, Elate did get the second spot, so they gave you out uh, the uh, exacta. There was an objection. Uh, it was pretty tight in the stretch there, but nonetheless, uh, Abel Tasman continues her winning ways. Lightly raced this year, but now has eclipsed the two. million mark. Truly amazing. Uh, The uh, grade one ballerina, half a million. Phillies and mares in there. And it was Marley's Freedom who kind of just popped out of there in the final eighth and passed them all. Bob Baffert trainee with Mike Smith aboard. And uh, in the second spot was still there, the horse that Matt liked. But I tell you what, this horse has an excuse. It... uh, it uh, bobbled at the start and, and it came on fairly well, very lightly raced. Keep an eye out on Still There. Well, I hope you're still there. <laughs> the four go. We'll wrap that up real quick. It was Whitmore at eight to one. So, And uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. And the uh, we'll be right back. Hopefully, we'll uh, clear up any fuzzy things you're listening to and get on with Gary West. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a man on the road who's heading from, I believe, Texas to uh, Franklin, Kentucky. Uh, He's kind enough to pull over and take a break to talk to us because he's going to be one of the key members of a team that's going to be covering all of these unique races down at Kentucky Downs. And this is uh, opening day on Saturday. Fingers crossed for good weather. Gary West, are you with us? I am, John. How are you doing? 
I'm doing okay. I've had a few glitches all day long, but now that I got you on, I feel pretty good. Uh, so, Gary, uh, let me just ask you, where are you right now? Well, right now I'm about two hours outside of Nashville. I've, I've hit some rough weather, and uh, it's, it's slowed me down uh, quite a bit, but uh, they're, they're not going to stop me. I'm not going to miss uh, Kentucky Downs. What a sensational uh, festival of racing they have there every year. And if, if you're a racing fan, if you're a horseman, this is, this is horse racing heaven. Well, certainly, you know, I, I think the, the early years, uh, some people were tepid about going there. But my God, you look at the horsemen and the jockeys that are there on a regular basis now, and it's a who's who of racing. Well, it really is. Uh, I just was, was looking at the entries for uh, Saturday, and I believe there are three Hall of Fame trainers with horses entered and uh, at least two future Hall of Famers. And, and that doesn't include D. Wayne Lucas, who's going to be sending some horses in, and, and others. Um, Neil Drysdale, I believe, is, is going to have a, a representative or two here. So it, it has become, indeed, as you say, a who's who of racing. Uh, some of the best horses in the country and the best horsemen and the best riders, they all show up in little Franklin, Kentucky, for this abbreviated season, this real festival of racing. And what attracts them, of course, is the unique atmosphere and the money. They're giving away. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean giving away because you're going to have to really <laughs> earn it this year. You, you, you better come here with a racehorse. The, but they're, they're offering $2 million a day in purses which is unprecedented, of course. It's the, the, the highest purses in the country. And for the betters, it's, it's equally fascinating and equally alluring because the, uh, the races attract full fields, and Kentucky Downs has one of the lowest takeout rates in the country as well, so that means high payoffs. In fact, th- there have been years, I think it's uh, two out of the last three years, a straight bet on the winning favorite would yield a profit at Kentucky Downs, and that's because even the favorite will probably go off three, three and a half to one. Um, and and so it is just a very attractive race season for everyone in the game. It's it's as I said, it's horse players heaven. Well, you know, Corey Johnson does an outstanding job at uh, bringing in an all-star team uh, to look at these large fields. And, Gary, you're one part of it, but I think there's about four handicappers down there that will be bringing information from all sides of the track. Yes, there, there will be several people. Uh, Kate and Bradar, of course, one of the more astute observers of the game, will, will be in the paddock with me uh, during the races. Uh, John Lee's the announcer, also will uh, make some observations. And, of course, the great Jenny Reese is going to be on hand. So uh, it's it's going to be an exciting season. Well, you know, you just made, mentioned a great person from Louisville. And before we get into some of these races, Gary, uh, our sport lost an amazing man this week in, in John Asher. And I know that your paths crossed, uh, crossed many times. I mean... It's hard to say. You could probably count on one hand the five quality individuals you'll meet in your life in this game, and John is one of them for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it was it was uh, it was knee buckling when when I got the news that he had passed away, um, because 
I thought so highly of him, and it was totally unexpected, of course. But John is a rare person, and not only in terms of his ability, which was extraordinary. Uh, he was a very, very talented man. But he was even more rare than that. He was the person nobody disliked. Everybody loved yes. John Asher. He was so friendly and so nice and so congenial, um, so accommodating. He never had a bad word to say about anybody. And uh, John was, was one of the, the, the princes of the game. And, and horse racing is uh, very much in his debt. And uh, the entire sport, not, not just the people in Kentucky, but the entire sport uh, mourns the passing of John Asher. A- absolutely. I-, I never saw him when he wasn't smiling. But, you know, I- it- as you know, Churchill Downs has stubbed a lot of toes over the years. And all of a sudden, they do something that got him into trouble. And it was like, let's get John out there. <laughs> and in very trying times, John would do a beautiful job of kind of smoothing things over and kind of explaining how things are just going to get better from here. I mean, he was a master at that. He was he was a, a great ambassador of the sport and a great ambassador at Churchill Downs. I think he he became uh, synonymous with Churchill Downs. He he was the man that everyone looked to for information on Churchill Downs, and he was uh, their representative in the community and in the industry. And uh, everyone truly thought uh, greatly of, of John Asher. He, he could not have been, nobody could have been a, a better ambassador for the game than John. No, and uh, now to, to move forward, uh, you've got one on your team that's uh, strictly, you know, on par with John, and it's uh, Jenny Reese, who, I'm telling you what, I get probably two stories a day about Kentucky Downs. She is on top of what's happening down there, Gary. Isn't she amazing? She is just extraordinary. I, I learned years ago, when, when I first started covering horse racing, if I wanted to know what the story was, all I had to do was follow Jenny around, uh, which sounds easy, of course, but it's, it's pretty difficult to do because she's at the track at 530 in the morning. Um, so, you, you know, you better be up and rolling uh, very early if you're going to come up with, uh, with Jenny Reese. But truly, if you, uh, if you want to know what's going on in horse racing, if you want to know what's going on on the backside, uh, Jenny Reese is the source of information. She is the, 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 the fount of wisdom. And, and on top of all of that, nobody in the game works harder than she does. She is an amazing, an amazing person. I know. I, you know, when she first left the paper, she was like, gee, I wonder if I'm going to land on my feet. Well, she's landed into about four jobs and has had to turn other ones down. Uh, we're talking with uh, uh, Gary West, uh, a longtime uh, writer and uh, an author with a friend of mine, Bob Fortas, with Ride to Win, an inside look at the jockey's craft. I know I've interviewed him exclusively about this book. And please, folks, if you hear these words, if you got a pen in hand, it's Ride to Win, an inside look at the jockey's craft. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon or any other place, but it is just great. And I've probably read this book three times, but never in the same order. It's great that you can just pick it up and go to any chapter you want. And I do believe that you and Bob have donated uh, a portion of, of the proceeds here uh, back to the sport. That's right. A, a portion of, of the uh, proceeds go to uh, the uh, Disabled Jockeys Fund. And uh, we're, we're more than happy to do that because, of course, uh, those guys uh, give us so much and have given the sport so much. And we need to give 
give them something in return. And, and, uh, they have one of the most dangerous jobs in the world, and they, they, they do it um, with extraordinary ability and talent. I don't think many people recognize or realize uh, how difficult that job is and, and, and what expertise it requires uh, to, to ride a racehorse successfully. And the, the best jockeys are incredible stories, and I hope, uh, I hope we were able to convey that to the readers. Yes, you were, and none of it is boilerplate. Each one uh, uh, approaches riders and skills and parts of the game in different ways, but I digress. i got to get back to Kentucky Downs, again, talking here with uh, Gary West. Gary, I, I know you're traveling. Did you get a chance to look at uh, the Tourist Mile, uh, because it's the marquee race, and let's not forget, folks, we're talking about races uh, seven, eight, and nine. This will be race eight, but the the seventh, the one dreamer, starts a fourteen percent takeout. All stakes pick four, albeit there's no way I see a horse you key on. Although in this eighth race at Kentucky Downs, Gary, there's a horse that I kind of got on luckily before he started his uh, winning ways, and that's Mr. Misunderstood uh, with Florent Giroux. Of course, the Frenchmen always have a fine day or meet, shall I say, down at Kentucky Downs. Yeah, see, he's had quite a bit of success at Kentucky Downs. He was a leading rider there last year he really knows his way around the course and you know that is a course that rewards experience not just for horses but for jockeys as well and i think uh, a rider like Giroux has a decided edge over any jockey no matter who it is who's never ridden there before and just shows up on the, on a given day to ride a, a stakes race or two but he is on the favorite here mr misunderstood and Mr. Misunderstood has become Mr. Reliability. He has won 10 of 13 races on the turf, and if any second in another. Uh, he, is, he won the Wise Dan, of course, at Churchill Downs back in June, and he just won the Kentucky Derby preview um, at, uh, at Ellis Park. He is an outstanding horse, of course, uh, but he seems to be getting better. That's the intriguing thing. And and I believe this one-mile distance is perfect for him, and he's going to have a running style that uh, uh, is often rewarded um, at Kentucky Downs in these one-mile races. Last year at one mile at Kentucky Downs, only one horse won by leading throughout. Um, I think there were 11 one-mile races. It's a difficult distance to win start to finish or lead start to finish because when you start that race, you're going uphill on the backstretch. And, and of course, that, uh, I, I think, compromises the speedsters a little bit. And um, the, the, uh, the, the late runners, I believe, have, have an edge. Um, if I recall doing the, uh, the research on, on these races last year, uh, the average uh, winner uh, rallied from just off the pace in the one-mile races, rallied from about two and a half, three back. And that is indeed Mr. Misunderstood's uh, style of right running. But there are some others in here. Mr. Cub, who won at Kentucky Downs uh, last year, is, is very capable, and he also is a stalker. He has lost to Mr. Misunderstood on three occasions, but he's been very close um, on all three, in all three of those races, and he has experience over the uh, surface, which I think is, 
is uh, an advantage. And a very intriguing horse in this race is Bound for Nowhere, who was last seen yes. in the Diamond Jubilee Stakes at Ascot. Isn't right. that something? We have a uh, horse you know, coming here from from uh, England to run at Kentucky Downs in Franklin, Kentucky. Um, and and he, he ran third in the, in the Diamond Jubilee. And that is a very, very demanding race, although it's only three-quarters of a mile. That is a three-quarters of a mile straightaway. So there's really no, no rest uh, no, no resting in that, in that race. It's, uh, it's go from start to finish. And, and he was on the early lead, and he was out in the middle of the racetrack, and um, he was, was hooked with about an eighth of a mile to, to run, and he responded to that challenge and just got beat in the final oh, 40 yards and finished third, beaten less than a length, running against some of the best sprinters in all of Europe. So I think Bound for Nowhere is a very intriguing horse in the, in the tourist mile. Of course, tourist. Uh, as your listeners know, won the Breeders' Cup mile back in 2016, and he won the More Than Ready Stakes at Kentucky Downs. Of course, the More Than Ready Stakes is now called the Tourist Mile. <laughs> also, Gary, you know, uh, at the top of this uh, th- this interview, uh, y- you were uh, you know talking about all the the Hall of Fame trainers that are going to be at the track. There's a future Hall of Fame trainer that I think could be the leading trainer because of the numbers and because of the fact that he's able to get horses to run so well at the turf and he's so good with his two-year-olds. And that would be Wesley Ward, who I think is going to be pretty prominent at the brief Kentucky Downs meet. Well, I think he will indeed. He's got bound for nowhere in here, and he's got, um, uh, I think, some live horses elsewhere on the card, including one of the the, uh, juvenile stakes. Uh, Wesley Ward has had more success at Ascot than any American trainer. And he sort of um, uh, he blazed the path over there for Americans. Americans were hesitant to go to Ascot, but uh, Wesley Ward gave it a try and was successful. And now, every year it seems, we have more Americans uh, doing that. And uh, Wesley Ward was back there this, this past summer, and uh, he, he's going to make it a regular um, stop on his schedule. But he is loaded with uh, some very good horses, and they are preparing in these races for the Breeders' Cup. Bound for Nowhere, I'm guessing here, I haven't spoken to Wesley about this, Bound for Nowhere could end up in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint or in the Breeders' Cup mile. And I'm guessing the tourist mile will determine that. If he is successful at this one-mile distance, they may go for the Breeders' Cup mile. Very interesting. Well, Gary, I could talk to you all night. Uh, there's no way we're going to get through the, the pick four, but I do want to remind everybody, it's Kentucky Downs, and I believe if you're on Eastern time, it'll be about 550 when the uh, the pick four starts, um, but uh, it's it's a ten race card. It's it's capped off by uh, the Exacta Systems Juvenile Phillies. Boy, juveniles on the grass at Kentucky Downs. Anything can happy there happen there. But it's a great card all the way. The the maiden races, the breeding on those horses is just phenomenal. So it's just going to be a great day at Kentucky Downs, and it's going to be made even greater by the fact that we're going to have the analysis of the races live and in person from the paddock with Gary West and Kate and Brader. Gary, be careful driving those next two hours to Franklin, Kentucky. I will, I will, John. Thank you very much. I look forward to it, and, and you have good luck at the races yourself. 
Thank you very much. I'll need it always. We've been talking with Gary West. Again, he's not only going to be one of the uh, handicappers that'll be bringing you the horses at Kentucky Downs, but I'm telling you folks, one of my favorite books, Ride to Win, an inside look at the jockey's craft. He wrote it in tandem with Bob Fortas. It's a fantastic book. Uh, If if you enjoy reading about races, great. If you got somebody you got to buy a uh, birthday or anniversary present for, I'd highly recommend it. All right, that was Gary West. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I fought the law and the law won. That's right. Tom Law is going to recap the Saratoga season. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses At most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races Don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, it feels like Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end. The tradition of having Tom Law, one of the main cogs in the wheel of the Saratoga Special, here with us on Winning Ponies. Six weeks ago, it was to tell us what was going to happen. Tonight, Tom Law, what happened over the last six weeks? I want to. I want. I want to say everything happened is what I predicted would happen. But uh, then I. I don't think if I. If I could have predicted everything that was going to happen, I don't know that I'd be working on the last couple issues of the Saratoga Special right now. I'd be uh, maybe on the beach uh, counting my winnings. But uh, the uh, yeah, as you said, the the meet getting ready to 
come to a close. Still got a few more days of racing here, but, uh, you know, as, as a lot of people have seen, we've, we've had some great racing. We've been dealing with the weather here in Saratoga this year more uh, than we have in the last few years. A lot of rain, lost a lot of races uh, that were on the turf, got moved to the main track, including some today. We hadn't, we hadn't had it happen in uh, it felt like a long time and it was probably only a little more than a week. Uh, we got a little bit of rain overnight after a, just a sweltering hot, felt like July 4th kind of hot summer days the last few. And then today it kind of broke and, uh, I was just standing outside getting ready to talk to you cause I like to stand outside while I do these interviews and it's a, a little chilly and B a little windy. So I had to come back inside. All right. Well, listen, my producer's telling me, ask Tom to stand near the window with his aluminum hat because you're kind of coming in and out on us a little bit. Uh, but uh, anyhow, um, as far as, okay, we, we know the trends. We know the Ortiz brothers. We know about Chad Brown, uh, T- uh, Todd Pletcher, uh, and uh, I, there was another big name that I'm forgetting right now. But uh, who... Who surprised you? Was there somebody outside of the big names that kind of came along and said, wow, this guy's impressive, or this Jack's really starting to ride hot? Uh, You know, among the trainers, uh, he's not really a surprise because he's in the Hall of Fame, but Steve Asmussen had a uh, a very strong meet. Started out uh, very, very well with a lot of his two-year-olds, a lot of horses, kind of the buzz. Of the of the backstretch, the first few days where that Asmussen's two-year-olds were going to be the ones that had trained at Keeneland were going to be kind of a force, and a lot of them were. A lot of them came out running and won early in the meet. Uh, of course, Ricardo Santana rides first call for him, and he had a he had a very good meet, kind of a almost a, not not really a breakthrough meet. He's not really an unknown by any means, but he had a very strong meet. Uh, Luis Saez had, uh, you know, he's won a lot of titles down at Gulfstream and is certainly no stranger to this circuit. He started out riding really well. And of course, uh, can't, uh, can't forget about Javier Castellano. He just won his sixth Travers the other day since, uh, sixth one since 2006, which I think is crazy in 12, I guess 12 or 13 runnings of the Travers. He's won six of them. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of been the story. The Ortizes are, are, you got, everything goes through them. Still, and of course, Irad has is, is got a pretty sizable lead right now. Probably, pretty much, uh, can engrave the trophy for him, just like we can en- engrave the training trophy for Chad Brown. Okay, well, uh, you alluded to the Travers. You were there. I want to talk about it. It, it turned out to be a two-horse match race. Uh, uh, Mendelssohn, who I've always respected, uh, was hanging right in there. I totally threw out his Derby, but I did watch him train and see him. That he is like they of this horse he's absolutely gorgeous i guess that's why he cost three million dollars but how about our boy catholic boy uh all of a sudden he's grabbing headlines had a break from the outside had that speed and when they turned for home uh he just uh you know turned on the afterburners and pulled away yeah I mean, a lot of people thought that you know he's a turf horse and maybe he's going to sort of drop out the back and maybe make one run like a typical kind of maybe a, a turf horse might do making the, the change from the grass to the main track. But Jonathan Thomas was pretty savvy before the race. Uh, he ran into Sean Clancy and they were talking and Sean put it in a story that he wrote today, basically saying, we're going, you know, we're going to the lead. Um, if somebody else really wants the lead, they're going to have to, 
they're going to have to have their own shoes on to get it. And that, that ended up being Mendelssohn, which I think that was their strategy, which I think was a great strategy for him. He's kind of like that high cruising kind of horse. And, and like you said, I, I've been a big fan of his too for a while. And, uh, I was, I was really glad to see him redeem himself. I thought he ran very gallant to be second, but the winner was, uh, you know, it's easy for me to say that he was the right horse and he was the, he was the best horse. But when they, when they came in the paddock, I just remember looking at them all and saying, Oh, <laughs> uh, I think we see the winner right there. And, uh, you know, their tactics were perfect. Uh, I think there were a lot of questions. It was a big field and kind of maybe it looked like a good field, but there were some significant question marks on some of them. I think there are a lot of horses in there that are good at a mile and a 16th and a mile and an eighth, but, uh, the mile and a quarter is such a different race. I think we saw it. We saw it the week before uh, in Alabama with Eskimo Kisses and some horses in there that were clearly uh, compromised by the 10 furlongs. And, and we saw it again in the Travers. It's, it's such a distance, distance races on the dirt. Uh, and by distance, I mean, you know, mile and three sixteenths, mile and a quarter are so much different than, than a mile and an eighth race or even like a mile and a sixteenth that say like a King or a Churchill. Such a different race. The pace is, is so much different and, and, and the tactics in the early parts of the race really, really uh, paved the way for, for horses that with that good stamina. Absolutely. And you, you know what, Tom? The other thing is, you know, it's always, it's always easy to find the winner after the race. But when you it go is. back yeah. looking at Catholic boys' form, uh, you've got to remember that he bled in the Florida Derby. And that's like the only bad race he ever ran in his life. And they gave him plenty mm-hmm. of time to come back. This is a uh, uh, Jonathan Thomas, and uh, so he had a break from the Florida Derby in March. Didn't come back till June, and was two for two and very game efforts. He got caught in the stretch in both of those, and Javier Castellano brought him back. This is a gutsy horse, and. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch him down the thing because people are going to start to say, where'd this horse come from? Well, they let, they yeah. let him get healthy, and once he got healthy, you know, he's going to be a contender on the big stage, not that it gets much bigger uh, than the uh, Travers stakes. Absolutely, and, and, and the key, a key point to remember is that he, was, he won going nine furlongs as a two-year-old. Uh, he won the Remsen stakes. He had never run on the dirt before. And I was, at the, I was at Aqueduct that day, and I remember talking to Jonathan. He basically said, you know, the reason why we wanted to run him is not so much dirt, but it was distance. Like, he's a horse that really wants to go long. Uh, you know, Mark Hesse used to say that, would say that a lot about Wonder Godot. Uh, that's why they ran her in the races up in Canada. They kind of tried to stay away from, from Monomoy Girl at the mile and a eighth races. I think she, he thinks she's better at a mile and a quarter because she didn't run very well in the, in the Travers. But uh, he said he said kind of the same thing. And, and Ka- yeah, like you said about Catholic Boy, he, he's very determined. He that horse analyze it uh, is a is a really top class horse, and he outgamed him in the in the Belmont Derby. And one other point about him is that they're they're going to the Classic, and they may just train him up to the Breeders' Cup Classic, which I think has, it's a move that's kind of worked in the past. You, you've seen other horses kind of run it in the Travers or late August races, and then wait until the Breeders' Cup and have won. Uh, they also talked about maybe running him in. Uh, a race on the grass again, the Hill Prince down at Belmont. So then going dirt, then back to the turf, then running back on the dirt. So he's kind of a he's kind of a cool horse because he can run in lots of different races, and they have a lot of options as far as preps go versus just they have to run in the Jockey Club Gold Cup or they have to run in, you know, the Goodwood or they have to run in, you know, X Y Z race. With him, 
they can just kind of find their spots. And, you know, he could be, if they, if he's a horse that stays in training, you know, he could be an Arlington million horse, or he could be a Whitney horse, or he could be, you know, uh, a Breeders' Cup classic horse. Well, you know, uh, now he's run nine races and is well into the past million dollar mark. That's not bad at nine lifetime starts. This is one of those that, that I hope they keep in training. Uh, I know you're you're not a vet, but, and I've always had this question, I need to get a vet on. Can a Ridgeling eventually breed? Yes. Uh, AP Indy was a Ridgeling, actually. So, Really? Uh, it, it's yeah, it's not uncommon. Yeah, AP Indy was is kind of maybe the most the most noteworthy uh, Ridgeling of all time. I remember when he was he was a three year old. Them talking about that, and I don't think it was ever a problem. It's basically an un, basically they I have guess an unintended testicle. Yeah, so uh, I can remember writing about that when I, in my days of kind of covering the breeding industry at Thurber Times and, and writing about that every now and again. And, and by no means am I a am I a <laughs> A veterinarian or a scientist, and by any by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, yeah, that would be a good question to have. Maybe when he does go to stud. Hey, I'm originally I got three sons, so I know it can be done. Um, All anyhow, right. <laughs> uh, Tom, let's let's move on to uh, to some of the races, if that's okay with you, uh, that are coming up. Uh, nine, ten, eleven, twelve all graded stakes races and you got a nice 50 cent pick four uh and you may have to go wide in in some of these um let's take them in order and i'll save uh, uh we'll see if we can work up to the uh woodward which is going to be uh, a key race there so starting with the ninth race the saranac uh we're going a mile and eighth on the turf i know you've had some wet weather but it coming in the last weekend i'm guessing unless it really is dangerous they're probably going to go ahead and race on it and uh the kind of now horse uh is this french bred raging bull who's never stepped foot on a racetrack in france uh of course who trains it jad brown uh joel rosario and then you've got uh christopher clement with up the annie so these are kind of these aren't really well uh, established horses but they're three-year-olds you know some that have even tried the derby route and maybe trying to find their niche in life mile and eight on the turf tom law who do you like in the saranac well, you you kind of named, you settled on the two the two uh, two logical contenders in here. Of course, Raging Bull is uh, he's only been beaten once. He ran a, a, a lights out race, very determined race, coming from from way back in the to win the Hall of Fame on yielding ground. And I don't think the, the forecast looks pretty good for the for the weekend. And uh, the, the the course was drying out pretty well today. They ran the last couple grass races on it, so I would expect there to be firm ground. It's really nice clear no no humidity at all tonight so i'm thinking that the grass will be good by saturday for sure unless that forecast changes a little bit um you know the, the horse that's coming in from uh actually the, the, the christoph clement's other horse uh therapist is a horse that uh intrigues me he's uh he's barely ever run up he's never run a really a bad race he won the new york Stallion race on the grass here uh early in the meet when it was a good course, kind of won the race the first day of the yearling sale. And he's, he's run well. He's a New York bred. I think they're kind of running out of spots to run him now. they got to try graded company with him as a possible upsetter. Um, you know, another horse that's interesting in here is uh, Free Drop Billy. He's a horse that was, you know, ran in the Derby, ran in the Belmont. Now I think they're maybe they're taking a 
taking a stab and trying to run him on the grass, trying to figure out what kind of horse he is. But, uh, you know, I think the race, like you said, goes through Raging Bull. All right. Well, we'll find out. He just look, looks like one on the improve and the fact that he can let the other uh, speed horses go. That was the Saranac. Now, the second leg of, of the pick four, it's going to be a race I always love, the spinaway. Uh, Philly two-year-olds, uh, horse I liked the last time that in the Schuylerville, which is, oh, I won't say it's a prep for this race, but it is a grade three. This is a grade one, $350,000. And then the uh, the the. Uh, well-bred uh, chasing yesterday we're just not sure how good this horse is because didn't have to try too hard but that was five and a half going seven uh, coming in from Del Mar uh, Catherine the Great has the edge with a nice trip over the track Jose Ortiz will be in the saddle uh, but again these are two-year-old fillies you don't know what's going to happen Tom yeah and like you said uh, the chasing yesterday is kind of a is definitely the cool angle of the race. She's a half-sister to Triple Crown winner American Pharaoh. So, uh, you know, that's uh, add, add a cool angle to that story. Bob Baffert trains her. Uh, I've seen her out here the last few days. She looks great. I say she, she, um, she has a very similar personality to American Pharaoh, just kind of very kind and very kind of chill. She looks a lot different than he does. Um, but, uh, you know, being a tappet, she, she looks great. But, yeah, like you said, Catherine the Great was just lights out in the Schuylerville. It's hard to believe that the Schuylerville was so long ago. But, um, you know, that was a, a good race for her. She came out and just did her did her thing. And she's going to run against uh, Nona Madeline, who was in that race as well. She comes back in here for Todd. And, man, it's a big field. They got 12 in here. And I think uh, I like Ken McPeak's horse a little bit way on the outside, uh, almost all the way on the outside, the 12. Restless rider. I mean, she was just dominant in that race down at Churchill Downs, the debutante. They kind of put her on the shelf. They probably could have run her, I guess, in the other two races. And uh, we're going to read the scoop from Kenny probably and, and have a story about her in Saturday's edition of the Saratoga Special. So, uh, but but again, I think I think the I, I think the race goes through American Pharaoh's little sister in here. But uh, you know, I'll sprinkle a little bit with uh, with Restless Rider and. Maybe even take a stand with uh, Cassie's Dreamer, the one horse. Bark- Barkley Tag claimed this horse, and I, I, you know, I couldn't tell you the last time we ever saw Barkley Tag actually dropping horses in the, in, in, you know, dropping a slip in the claim box to to claim one. But uh, she was pretty impressive. Granted, it was only a maiden claiming race, but uh, she ran well. She did. Claimed it off my buddy, uh, Ron Paolucci, Luch Stable. He'll be represented by Ohio bred baby Nina in there. She has a really nice pedigree page herself. Well, let's move on. Grade one, $750,000, the Woodard. And uh, to be honest with you, there's no standout <laughs> handicap in this race. No, there really isn't. It's it's a And, and again, that's, that's why there's 14 in there. Nobody... Nobody at all scared him away. You know, it's, it, it's funny to think back. A year ago, we had Gunrunner in the Woodward, and there was a field of six or five, um, and he just blasted him. You know, and uh, <laughs> there's certainly no Gunrunners in here. There's not even anybody even really close to Gunrunner in here. I think the only, the only the two horses I think that are probably the two best and maybe the two class horses of the race are probably Gunavera, um, number nine. He, he, he ran the Dubai World Cup. Didn't run very well in there. Came back. He gave him a freshening. He came back. He won a nice prep race down at Gulfstream. Probably a pretty easy race for him. Uh, he looks well. I went and saw him today. I'm going to go out and see him tomorrow. I'll train. 
And then uh, is the, the other horse I also like is number ten, Seeking the Soul. He's he's sort of in the similar boat. He ran in the in the he won the Clark Grade One last fall at Churchill. He's starting to get really good. Um, and, and that started when he was here last summer. Won the Clark, kind of earned a trip to the Pegasus, and maybe maybe squeezed him in there a little bit too much. Then he came back and ran a little prep race at Indiana, um, Indiana Grand, and, and ran okay. He didn't win. But uh, I know Dallas is high on him. Of course, Dallas is high on his horses. But uh, his, his horses, are, he, he said he was going to have a lot of horses that were ready to run the second half of the meet. And uh, they're starting to do that. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a big field, though, a lot. Of, it, it could be, it's going to be like watching the Derby here at Saratoga with four teams going on the dirt. Um, but, but those are the two that I like. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't show in the PPs, but Navarra, as I recall, Saratoga's stranger to the uh, winner circle up there on Union Avenue. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he won it. Yeah, when he was a two-year-old, and he ran a great he ran a great race here in the Traverse last year too. Second. Absolutely. Well, uh, time got uh, three minutes left, and we got the Glens Falls. Uh, you're not far from there. Grade two, quarter million dollars. Yeah. Need I say, Chad Brown? I mean, uh, he's uh, it, it, the morning uh, odds maker put his horses one, two, three. Yeah. And that would be on the moon again, Monica and Homeland Security, all of them bringing uh, unique qualities to this race. But he. Right. <laughs> yeah, the turf race, the turf stakes, especially the turf stakes for Phillies and Mares. Uh, go through his barn, and he's got a lot of them, and <laughs> he's a force in here. Uh, I'm going for a little bit of a mild upset in here. I actually like uh, I like number eight, Lady Monstor, uh, for trainer Tom Albertrani, a Godolphin filly, who really impressed uh, winning here uh, pretty early on in the meet. Looked great doing it. She's a horse that, that came over from Europe. Yeah, they gave her a little bit of time, and then she came, and she's really made the adjustment to American racing. Now, she ran really well in that first start. you got to hope she sort of transfers her form, uh, as well as some of these other ones that have been running here in the States for a little while. Uh, but uh, just go with a mild upset in there. Um, it's, 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 it's another tough race, obviously, that goes through Chad. And, and uh, I, I think Shug McGee's horse, uh, Danceland, could, could also be okay in there. All right. Well, we've been talking about Tom, main man with the Saratoga, up at Saratoga. And, Tom, I understand that you pretty much have run out of guest handicappers in the Saratoga special, and you're, you're bringing one in from off the Sunday. I had to bring a regular guy in. You know, I got all these uh, celebrities and these fancy people. I needed to bring, I needed to bring in a homeboy and, and get some winners. You know, I've had a lot of people from Keeneland and from all these other places, but I need uh, – I need to bring back a, a New York man, somebody that's uh, near and dear to my heart. Got to get you in there. So we got you on uh, the last Sunday of the meet. You're going in the closing day paper, and uh, I'm looking forward to you uh, having some winners. I hope so. Tom Law, best of luck to you. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Uh, the Saratoga Special. Uh, say hi to the Clancy Brothers. You guys did another outstanding job covering the meet. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Thanks for joining us. You too. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.